Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. I am your curator, Professor Grunsplatter. Beyond these doors crouch the wonders, horrors, and wry smiles of an uncanny world. This world, your world. Should you choose to come inside, the sounds and stories that the shadows tell will be yours to behold. Make no mistake, it is a place of questions, not answers. A place where the tickle in your belly or the twitch in your eye simply mean you're paying attention. But then if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention and the brave ones. There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes Some have fangs about this size Some short and fat, some tall and thin And some don't even bother to wear their skin I'm telling you, brother, it's a fearful sight Just to see what goes on in the night When the spooks have a midnight jamboree They break it up with a fiendish glee bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman, he's the worst. When he goes jogging across the land, holding his noggin right in his hand, demons take one look and groan, then they hit the road for parts unknown. Well, there's no rage like a spook that's burned, the ghost don't like a man, he's really burned. He swears to the longest day he's dead. Well, I'll show them that I can get ahead. Do, do, wow, 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 wow. So close all the windows. Lock all the doors. Unless you're careful why he'll get yours. Don't think he'll hesitate a bit, cause you clip your top if it will fit. He likes some little, he likes some big. Put him in the middle or wear a wig. Black or white or even red. The headless horseman needs a head. With a hip, hip, hip and a clippity clop. Why, he's out looking for a head to chop. So don't stop to figure out a plan. Cause you can't reason with a headless man. With a hip, hip, hop and a clippity clop. Look out! We know what we're talking about, believe me. You better watch your cues, but take a look at the people who ignored the old good book. Change your ways, you'll find it pays, cause you can't be a haint if you ain't kind of crazed, I guess you'd say. Take our word, we know what we're talking about. You know, this is a pretty spooky thing we're doing here. You don't mind if I turn on another light, do you? Hmm? Greetings. Welcome to episode 56 of the Spookatorium. Uh, this is another Halloween episode. These usually go a little longer than usual, um, and I generally have fun putting them together. Uh, opening the show today was K. Star with The Headless Horseman. That is uh, from a pretty amazing 
compilation that collects something like 130 songs of old jazz and blues and rock and roll about the spooky season. Uh, the comp is called Minnie the Moocher at the Morgue. Uh, I may squeeze in another track off that before the show is over. I don't know. It's got a Louis Armstrong track on there. I played it uh, on a Halloween episode ages ago in one of the earlier iterations of the show. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out if you appreciate that sort of thing. Uh, coming up in a little bit, I've got some Lord Byron uh, for you. And uh, with El Dia de los Muertos approaching, a bit of talk about spiritualism and what death might really mean. But first... <laughs>
That was Terrortron with March to the Altar from the Hexed album. Before that was Stills with Evil Awaits. And opening that set was My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult and Days of Swine and Roses. That was for you, Aspen. Um, this is definitely my favorite time of year. I hope that you all live someplace where the leaves are changing, the air is crisp, and it feels a little bit like Ray Bradbury's October Country. Um, this is Nocturnal Emissions with Wicca Man.
was Pessere with The Curse uh, from the Laid to Rest album, and that is a project I feel never really got the attention it deserved. Um, both the releases that I have from them are really quite good. Uh, before that was Past with Communion 5. Uh, previous to that was Screening from their self-titled release. Uh, that track was called The Experiment. And then opening the set was Nocturnal Emissions with Wickaman. The Spookatorium Spirit Lounge awaits where those from the other side just may press their faces against the window of our world. Just beyond Halloween, lies All Soul Days to the Catholics, El Dia de los Muertos in Mexico and beyond. Both of these fall on November 2nd, or the span of time kind of between the 1st and the 2nd. There is some debate whether El Dia de los Muertos is an indigenous celebration that predates Catholic influence or whether it came with the Spanish, but that is not our particular rabbit hole today. Um, My wife passed on the 2nd. And as that anniversary approaches again, I thought I'd look at a few different ideas about death. Uh, This is probably going to be a mishmash of the work of Patrick Harper, Anthony Peake, Jack Hunter, um, and some others. But uh, all of those who, all of of them have published several fantastic books and articles, made appearances on various podcasts, and are far more articulate than these next few minutes will probably be, but I also know that they are ideas that don't get talked about enough. The Greeks posited that death was not the opposite of life, but rather the opposite of birth. Life is a continuum on which both those things happen. Death is part of the journey, it's not the conclusion. Plato believed life is a realm out of which we are born, vaguely have a sense of during our corporeal existence, and return to when we die, at which point our time on the mortal plane becomes the dreamlike suggestion that the ethereal seemed while we are in our bodies. For as many conversations as I have had about what the afterlife might be, I don't have an opinion on what it is, but I do have an opinion that it is. Um, E.B. Taylor, considered to be among the first genuine anthropologists, discovered that tribal cultures the world over have a word like shadow or echo or double or dream body or for simplicity's sake, the soul, to describe a part of a human that can separate from the body, notably at death, but not always at death. Um, It can separate at other times as well and, and in some cultures you know that's when you would go to the shaman and the shaman would help you retrieve it Um, different cultures have different ideas about where it resides in the body but they agree that it is there I've read a lot of mythology in my life I cannot think of a single culture that does not have some representation of an afterlife there are the atheists sure but I would argue that is not a culture and what I'm talking about is not God or religion It is the underpinning of what those things were constructed upon. God and religion arose as an attempt to understand things that couldn't be understood. Nowhere that I'm aware of in the timeless stories of humanity does it say that we come from nothing, 
live X number of years and are erased forever. Uh, I am a believer in science, and so when the argument is put forth that you can't measure a soul in the lab or, or any of those kind of things, my thought is that you couldn't measure disease in the lab for centuries until you could. Uh, before basic cleanliness and sterilization came into favor, more people died in the hospital of things they were exposed to in the hospital than they did for the reasons that they were admitted. Science is our best guess at a moment in time, an educated, valuable guess, but I'm not convinced that anything we know right now is an eternal truth. Uh, before the time of virology, it was thought that it was death itself that was contagious and not viruses or the contagions that might lead to it. Now we know better, and in time, I imagine we will come to understand all kinds of things that seem mysterious and supernatural to us now, um, assuming that we start asking the right questions. There is an understood duality of existence. The Greeks called it the psyche and the thymos, but you can call it soul and body, energy and matter, human, animal. It's, you know, Anthony Peake has an interesting idea around this that I am not sure I entirely buy, but I find it fascinating. fascinating. And he talks about the Eidolon and the daemon both reside within us, and the Eidolon perceives the world more or less on its face, and the daemon perceives the world in its full, unfiltered fashion where time and the fabric of reality are not as they appear on the mortal plane. And I'm going to quote Peek here to try and summarize the idea because it's a little complicated. Quote, At the point of death, three events are brought about by neurotransmitters flooding the temporal lobes. First, the dying person falls out of time as the speed by which stimuli are processed by the brain is altered. Second, the person's consciousness splits into two independent entities, the Eidolon, I, and the daemon, the higher self. Third, the brain starts a real-time recreation of the subject's life projected into consciousness of the Eidolon as a reality indistinguishable from the real thing. The Eidolon lives its life again as if it was the first time, but now with a higher self, Damon, taking the role of a guide. This second life runs in an alternate universe with the consciousness of the perceiver and takes place in the microsecond before the perceiver is seen to die in the universe of any observers. In the observer's universe, the perceiver dies, but for the dying person, time expands to make that last microsecond last a lifetime. And at the end of the second lifetime, the same process occurs again in an even smaller segment of time, a literal version of the retur eternal return, unquote. So what's interesting to me about that is everything is occurring internally. It's not talking about the daemon leaving the body. It's talking about these two parts working to create a scenario where the consciousness of the dying person never gets to the point where it has died. He has some interesting supporting ideas for this in relation to people who have gone through life deaf, reporting hearing voices and near-death experiences when they have no context for hearing a human voice. He ties the idea into elements of mental health as well in regards to what, uh, whether the brain creates the reality we live in or whether it filters out the scope of the reality so that we can live. Uh, he ties it to gnosis, inspiration, and, and so on. It's an interesting theory, and I've returned to it several times to ponder. Um, Jack Hunter is a paraanthropologist and ethnographer 
who studies paranormal experiences across cultures from the field. And he works from a place where he immerses himself in the culture he's studying rather than relying solely on previous research, scientific papers, anecdotes, interviews, those kind of things. He spends time in the culture because while something may seem anomalous to a Western mind, it is frequently seen as a matter of course among those that experience it regularly. He's a prolific researcher, and I have not uh, read all of his work by any stretch, but he's got a great book called Talking with the Spirits that looks at spirit mediumship from a wide array of perspectives by immersing himself in the cultures and the ceremonies that the experiences are born from. And he goes everywhere from Montreal to Brazil, Cuba, Hong Kong, East Africa, Singapore, um, others. There are others in there, too. Uh, the experiences are different, the understanding of them can be different, but the consonant is that they all believe they ex are experiencing communication across the veil. That part of it is universal. The body goes through a process when it is dying. Um, that is what my record seeing time is about, if you've heard that. Um, my record The Death Fires was kind of about the different ways that people approach death. Um, but having seen that process as intimately as I have, I do have a strong sense that there is something else. And ultimately, it, it did make me less afraid. It has made me think a lot about the experience, what the experience is like for pe someone who dies suddenly, rather than having the luxury of going through that process. Because it did seem to be helpful. Um, sure I even got to the point I wanted to make here, but I had a uh, little savior work dummy moment and I lost a chunk of what I had written for this. Um, but I will surely come back to it again. Um, I will end with this from Patrick Harper. Quote, The other world is all shape-changing imagination. It configures itself according to the outlook we bring to bear on it. It is the landscape of the heart, the self's true home, it may be a cottage, a castle, or a cosmos, but we are not in it as we feel ourselves to be isolated entities inhabiting this world. Rather, it is the outward manifestation of our inner selves as if we are our own landscape and habitation.
Excuse me. Excuse me, but is that blood, 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 That was the Spectre Collector with Is That Blood from their old Dark release. Uh, Before that was Shinjuku Thief with A Midnight Mass from the Witchhammer album, which was the first in their uh, witch trilogy of releases. And opening the set was Daughters of Grief from the EP Songs for Mary W.S. And that track was called The Devil's Hellfire. Scratching for ways to define the ineffable. Humanity's fever to understand the other finds voice through its artistry. I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind in the blackening and moonless air. Morn came and went and came and brought no day, and men forgot their passions in the dread of this their desolation, and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light, and they did live by watchfires, and the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitation of all things which dwell were burnt for beacons, Cities were consumed, 
and men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's face. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of the volcanoes and their mountain torch. A fearful hope was all the world contained. Forests were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, and the crackling trunks extinguished with a crash and all was black. The brows of men by the despairing light wore an unearthly aspect, as if by fits the flashes fell upon them. Some lay down and hid their eyes and wept. Some did rest their chins upon their clenched fists and smiled, and others hurried to and fro and fed their funeral piles with fuel and looked up with mad disquietude on a dull sky, the pall of a past world, and then again with curses cast them down upon the dust and they gnashed their teeth and howled the wild birds shrieked and terrified and did flutter on the ground. The flap of their useless wings, the wildest brutes came tame and tremulous, and vipers crawled and twined themselves among the multitude, hissing but stingless. They were slain for food, and war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again. A meal was bought with blood, and each sate sullenly apart, gorging himself in the gloom. No love was left. All earth was but one thought, and that was death. Immediate and inglorious, and the pang of famine fed upon all entrails. Men died, and their bones were tombless in their flesh. The meager by the meager were devoured. Even dogs assailed their masters, all save one. And he was faithful to a course, and kept the birds and the beasts and the famished men at bay till hunger clung them and the dropping dead lured their lank jaws, himself sought out no food, but with a piteous and perpetual moan and a quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with the caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place where had been heaped a mass of holy things for unholy usage, they raked up and shivering scraped with their cold skeleton hands the feeble ashes and their feeble breath blew for a little life and made a flame which was a mockery then they lifted up their eyes as it grew lighter and beheld each other's aspect saw and shrieked and died even of their mutual hideousness they died unknowing who he was upon whose brow famine had written fiend the world was void the populous and the powerful was a lump, seasonless, herbless, treeless, manless, lifeless, a lump of death, a chaos of hard clay. The rivers, lakes, and oceans all stood still, and nothing stirred within their silent depths. Ships, sailorless, lay rotting on the sea, and their masts fell down piecemeal as they dropped. They slept on the abyss without a surge. The waves were dead, the tides were in their grave, the moon their mistress had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no need of aid from them. She was the universe. That poem, Darkness, by Lord Byron, is not explicitly a Halloween poem, but it is a poem born in an environment that gave birth to many Halloween things. And it speaks to the existential dread that infuses much of the weird fiction genre. It was written in 1816 on the same famous holiday that Mary Shelley penned Frankenstein and John William Polidori wrote The Vampire, uh, which predated 
Dracula by 78 years. It was uh, Palidori's villa in Geneva where they gathered in June during what was called the year with no summer. No summer because the eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia had led to a volcanic winter. The skies were dark, it was cold, crops were dying, and the sunsets heaved an eerie red. All of this in a time when few understood the reasons the world was suddenly cast into such a state. But in that state, legends, real and fictional, clawed themselves free.
program exists to showcase music and ideas. I am not an expert at anything, and I have no agenda beyond fostering curiosity. The show is not monetized on any platform. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. A video version is available on the Cryonic Mind YouTube page. If you can like, subscribe, comment, etc., it helps the show's visibility. If your music was featured here and you'd prefer it was not, let me know and I will remove it from the feed. You can reach the show at spookatorium at gmail.com. The website can be found at spookatorium.org, and your comments are always welcome. Thanks very much for spending some time here.
That was Whiplash with Stirring the Cauldron from the Power and Pain album. And before that was Sacrifice with the Entity uh, Forward to Termination. And opening the set was King Diamond with A Mansion in Darkness. And as I have said before, it is not Halloween until King Diamond turns up. Apologies if that disrupted the mood, but some 80s thrashing evil is in the recipe. And now, this is Twisted Nerve with Gargoyle.
That was Secret Shame with Who Died in Our Backyard. Uh, before that was Vain War with Samhain Passage. And that set open with Twisted Nerve and the track Gargoyles. And I think that is about it for this episode. Thank you, as always, for checking out the show. I do appreciate it. And I will cast you off into the night with this track from Ausem. And this is Nether Void.